This is the Post America Podcast. That's right, motherfucker. What the fuck you know about podcasting? This is our shit. Post America. Macho Black, Richie Crutch, Chrissy the Baboon. Post America Podcast, son. Download that shit, motherfucker. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's Richie, Post America Podcast. We're back. We have today a special guest, Carl from Earth Crisis and, and a ton of other bands. Carl, how you doing? Good. Thank you for uh, having me on, my friend. Yeah, man. I've been, I've been, I was about to show up at your house. I was trying to get you on so bad. You wouldn't come on. <laughs> I hear it. Today's the day. Today's the day. We're making gotcha. it happen. And yo, just right off the bat, we'll say congrats on these shows coming up that are the California takeover shows. And uh looks like they're selling out all over the place. I think this you got two shows in Philly. One's definitely sold out. Maybe the other one too. Do you know if the other one's sold out yet? Uh I think it's getting close, but yeah, we uh before the pandemic hit, we were out in LA. We did um basically the California takeover part two. We originally did uh, a series of shows with Snapcase and Strife out there at the whiskey in LA and Victory put out a live album of everybody's set and you know so we basically kind of recreated that on uh i think it was the maybe the 25th anniversary wow yeah and uh we played in san francisco and la with snapcase and strife the shows were awesome um kids you know came from all over they traveled you know the crowds were super supportive so that was an awesome experience and um, now that you know things are starting to open back up, we booked some uh, Joe Hardcore put some shows together for us in in Philly, and we're doing another one in in Buffalo with the same lineup as well in October. So we're definitely looking forward to that. Those will be the the first shows that we've played since the lockdown. That's really cool. And the the original California takeover was it like ninety uh, five? I think so. Yeah, something like that. That is crazy. Do you remember that, or, or do you remember those shows well, or not really? Oh, I do. It was. It How was would you so... compare the the ninety five <laughs> ones to the twenty five year later one? I mean, they're they're both they're both special in their own ways. You know, I mean that the show that we played in in L A. Um, in ninety five or whatever whatever year it was in the nineties. I remember you. It, the crowd was so packed in. You could run as fast as you wanted and stage dive as far as you as you could, and you would get caught. It was insane. Wow, that's so cool, yeah. man. Yeah, no barrier, no security was perfect. Yeah, and that era, like uh, mid '90s, late '90s, with you guys and the other bands you mentioned and Victory Records, that was like something else. That was uh, it was really big all around. How was uh, how was your relationship with Victory? I always wondered like how it went. Cause you guys, you did like quite a few albums with them throughout the years. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tony was, uh, fronting a band called even score. You know, he was fully vegan straight edge. He's still down for animal rights to this day. He, uh, adopted a bunch of goats and the goats actually live with him in his, in his oh. place there in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And he'll, you know, he's just there. They're like hanging out on his porch and, 
you know, out, out with him when he's on the sidewalk and whatnot. So, I mean, he's, he's still down for all the same stuff. He, he doesn't need a so, lawnmower probably with the goats. That's true. Or and garbage. That, can. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> real. They, they eat anything. Yo, uh, yep. straight edge or now? Dad, uh, I don't think so, but ah, you know, fucking Tony, <laughs> these guys are breaking hearts lately, man. Well, here's the thing. Um, you know, so we thought, we thought we were a good fit, you know, cause ideologically, you know, we had a lot of similarities and, um, you know, victory was, you know, kind of doing more cutting edge stuff during that era. You know, it was like the, the more aggressive side of hardcore. So, I mean, I thought that, you know, the, the original era of victory records that we were part of, you know, I'm very, very proud to have been, been on that label during all those years, you know, with the, uh, only the strong comps and, you know, they had like, uh, who was on there? Oh, Colt cold as life and zero tolerance and stigmata and no innocent victim and bloodlet. Mm. Like I, I felt like they had like some of the, some of the best of the best for sure. Yeah. Some of the stuff they put out back then was just uh, everything they touched was like gold for a while. Victory was just, uh, you know, if you, if the kids are buying it because it's on victory, you know what I mean? Which is that's, that's a sign of like, you, you got a successful label there. That was uh, the go-to for a long time. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. During that era, I think we fit in really well. Yeah. And you guys, you, okay. So you're from, you're from the Northeast and, uh, and you know, I'm in PA now and how would, do you recall the mid and late 90 PA shows? Cause I used to see you back then and the shit was so, I mean, the shows were tremendous, but I wonder how you saw them back then. Do you remember any of the shows or any of the bands from back then in the PA? Era? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, the Philly shows at the Trocadero were exceptional. And the shows at CC's and Music. Um, okay, so you do remember CC's. You know, it, 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 oh, absolutely. Yeah, all, all those shows were awesome. I mean, you know, whether we were in Mass or PA or Ohio or anywhere in New York, it all, it didn't really feel like you know, we were in outlying territory. It all kind of felt like home. It was amazing. Yeah. Earth crisis is always very well-respected. Always got a lot of love that I know of, but was there any places that, you know, you might, might've had some issues in certain cities, certain towns, or it was everything all gravy? Well, there was, I mean, there was obviously conflict in one city in New Jersey and there was conflict in one city in Ohio but, you know, when I look back at that now, I think, you know what that probably really was? It was that, you know, we were headlining and for whatever reason, certain bands just took offense that we were headlining and they felt they should have been somewhere else on the bill or they took it personally. Either that and, you know, obviously, too, um, music wise, some people thought that, you know, hardcore and metal shouldn't be blended together in any way they were you know different things distinctly different and that's not how we felt at all you know we felt that you know if we could incorporate certain elements of metal into hardcore it would make it a harder version so that's kind of the route that that we went and that's the the path that we stayed on yeah would you could say i mean i would from the outside looking in uh i would put earth crisis 
you know, in that category with like the early bands that would have the real heavy crossover, like All Out War and and Marauder, you know, you seem to be in that kind of category. But to me, that was always just hardcore. But I know what you mean back then for maybe some of the older folks in the scene. It was uh, maybe they didn't get it at the time. You know, I did, did you, you actually had issues over that. I think I think uh, with some people that was kind of a point of contention, you know. Wow. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, it's like, you know, there was integrity and groundwork and conviction and marauder and all out war. Like you just said, I mean, there were other bands with similar ideas. I think we just brought in like a technical aspect and did kind of a, a different version of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh but I could always I always did hear and I maybe I'm wrong, but I always kind of felt a Cro-Mags kind of influence too. And I used to discuss this with my friends and they would say I was way off base. Like they didn't <laughs> they didn't hear that. But was there any or not if so, just not intentional? Oh, for sure. You know, Scott'll tell you um that uh, you know, zero tolerance and Cro-Mags best wishes, those were you know they they influenced his writing for sure absolutely mm, see i told those guys they didn't listen <laughs> I, I like i like you know listening to albums like that just in wondering but i also sometimes i like to never really know the answer you know just <laughs> just in case i'm wrong but this time i'm right so i like it <laughs> you're right good good and when you mentioned like you had some issues in in those two places are were they just like one and done deals or was this something where like every time you went to these locations there was problems or anything like that um in ohio there was to an but like like i said to an extent you know what i mean and and anytime that we went somewhere and there was opposition on principle we would continuously go back (laughs) wow i like that you know, because yeah. it's like, it's like, hey, we're here because we were invited. You know, we didn't force our way in. Yeah. Like no booking agent pried the door open. You know, there was kids that were there that wanted to see us, that, you know, our band meant something to them, means something to them. You know, we were, you know, we were there to play for them. You know, so I didn't really understand that kind of, that kind of hostility. It didn't really make that much sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because to me, you know, hardcore has been and will always be, uh, it'll be a family vibe. It's a unity vibe. It doesn't mean, you know, that I'm going to be a Rastafarian or I'm going to be a Hare Krishna, but I love the Bad Brains and I love the Chromax. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be a certain type of skinhead, but I love Warzone and I love Agnostic Front. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I totally get it. I was never aware that there was any issues back then with uh, Ohio and that. But I, I did. I, I remember hearing stories, but it wasn't like it was just random stories of Earth Crisis is playing and there's some crazy kids throwing like chicken on the stage or something like that. Is there ever any truth to any of that kind of stuff or not? No, that was true. Yep. That happened in. I mean, you got to understand, like, you know, 25 going back closer to 30 years ago, you know, there wasn't vegan food everywhere. There wasn't vegan options in the grocery store. It was, yeah, you know, it was kind of a fringe thing. And animal rights was you know, animal rights and environmentalism was not necessarily uh, a widespread, didn't have the widespread acceptance that it is starting to in the last like five or 10 you know, so th- these were kind of like alien concepts. And my thought was after I like 
kind of researched it and, and based some of my ideas off how my grandmother, or my mother, my aunt had been living with vegetarianism. Um, I was like, well, I mean, there's certain sects of Hindus and there's Jains and there's these other, you know, ancient cultures from India where people have been vegetarian and vegan for centuries and, you know, oh, you're going to die. You're not going to get enough protein. You know, so I was like, well, that's not true. Mm. You know, so I knew, I knew that that wasn't accurate. And I, you know, and the more that I, I learned about vegetarianism and veganism, I knew that you can be completely healthy on a, on a plant-based diet and, and, and separate from all that. And kids were actually doing that though, like being disrespectful to that level. They just did to an extent. Yeah. I mean, wow. I always this, thought that was like a wise tale. That's fucking no, crazy. that that's, that happened in, in a couple places. And, you know, in one place, uh, where were we? I think we we're in Rhode Island. Some guy was throwing dead mice at us while we were playing. Jesus Christ! What the kind of people in Rhode Island? Good people. I mean, you know, <laughs> good people. We had awesome shows at the living room, but I'm just saying there no, yeah, there was genuine it. opposition to the concept of animal rights. You know, people felt threatened by it, and you know, and I know in one case it was, you know, I figured it out later, like, oh, well, this guy's. You know, this guy's girlfriend's dad runs a a play a fur storage facility or whatever. You know what I mean? Like oh, you hear the little man. stories, so you're tracing it back. You're like, okay, well then I guess we're, we're like we seem threatening to them or whatever. But whatever. I mean, reality is reality. Kindness is kindness. You're never going to go wrong making a compassionate choice. Mm, I like that, man. What a guy, Carl. You always make me feel bad about myself, though. yeah i always heard those stories i thought they were wise tales and i guess not that's that's wild man but you're right back then it was a whole different game and and that was really that was alien thinking you know i think so but if you look now you must feel really vindicated to fast forward to the present time and it's basically i mean i wouldn't say it's mainstream but just about right i mean uh, like you could go to fast food restaurants now you have those options and who did you ever think that 25 years ago that would ever be a possibility um yeah i felt it was like something worth striving for you know it was something worth like putting time effort and energy into promoting and and forwarding um you know there's some i mean some stuff does shock me it does shock me that you know, people can go online and they can see images and videos of, of vivisection of animals being tested on in laboratories or, mm-hmm. you know, certain nations still engaging in whaling or bullfighting or whatever. I'm like, how does this even exist at this point in the timeline of human history? Like, this is insane that this still exists that like that, that stuff I thought would have gone by the wayside, but it's, it seems to be taking longer to, you know, bring those, those specific things to a conclusion. Yeah. I wonder if like you mentioned bullfighting, could that ever go away? Because it's, it's like so deeply embedded culturally in some places, what will it take to, to get rid of something like that? That's kind of in the bloodline of, 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 of the local tribe. You know what I mean? That, that's probably hard to get rid of. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's unnecessary, you know, it's, it's a sport, but it's, there's, you know, an animal's being subjected to needless cruelty and needless suffering. It's so, it, I mean, to me, it's just 
I thought that was grotesque when I, when I saw a picture of it when I was like 10 years old. Yeah, it is brutal when you think about it. Like what, like what is the the point of this? And wow, I never thought of that. Yeah, present day, we're still doing stuff like that. It's uh, damn. Just I just I thought we were making good strides, and then you brought that up. You, <laughs> you still got a lot of work to do, Carl. I know. Just got to write more records. <laughs> <laughs> now, with, with Earth Crisis, you know, we know what the we we know what like the the theme is. It's, it's, you know, animal rights, straight edge, vegan. Now with all the other bands you're in, what do you, is it like hard to like leave that theme out and, and just no, and- no, not for me. I mean, for me, like, you know, being able to, you know, work with like Ethan and Tommy and, and, um, write the, like, for instance, like the newest Freya record that we wrote. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fun to be able to do something different musically and lyrically. And and Freya has always been about more like interpersonal things. And there's, you know, religious aspect to it. There's a historical aspect to it. I mean, there's there's a lot of different stories that we kind of try and tell through the words. Um, so I think that, you know, that's that's fun to be able to do. And with Apocalypse Tribe, it's basically, you know, kind of a mixture of of thrash and punk. And it's, you know, I see it as the band that like Eric and Corey and I would have done together when we were 16 or 17. It would be the perfect band, you mm-hmm. know, so, you know, better late than never. Yo, and that's a great name, by the way, Apocalypse Tribe. That's really cool. I'd right. Be- and it has, you know, and and the album and the seven inch and the next album that we're working on now, they all basically have like... um they basically have a science fiction theme to them, but mm. at the same time, I'm trying to push, push some ideas that are things that are basically coming up next that will be problematic, like a surveillance police state or artificial intelligence or the infringement of specific and certain rights, you know, that aren't to the advantage of the 1%. So, I mean, that, that band is near and dear to my heart and, I'm super proud of, of AI again, and I'm loving the new record that we're working on now. Oh, that's cool. I got to check this out. You, you, you like, is it going to be a full length or no? Yep. Yeah, it will be. Yes. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. And and indecision, yeah. And indecision put out, uh, the split that we did with death March and they put out the full length that we did on vinyl. Damn, you got a lot going on now. When you, when you you just mentioned like uh, uh, you know one of the themes is talking about religion and this and that, and you mentioned uh, was it your mother and grandmother? They were vegetarian. Yep. Were they? I mean, that's pretty. You know, you don't see that too often in the generations they're from. Was was you know <laughs> what was the reason for them to be uh, vegetarian? Was it kind of religion based at all or no? No, my, uh, my grandfather, he managed, uh, like, a um, oh, I think, uh, the best way to describe it would be like a cattle processing facility in Chicago. Oh, shit. And my, my, my grandmother went down there and brought, um, my grandfather lunch one day and saw what was going on and she literally never ate meat again and she lived to be 97. So, 
So purely a decision based on compassion. I think so, yeah. And then she told your mother about this, and then she decided to go that route too? Yep. Wow. And then me. That's very cool because, like I said, you know, in in those generations, you know, you probably wouldn't come across too many vegetarians in America. You know what I mean? Definitely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. But, uh, I mean... and that, and just what we're talking about new music and earth crisis, uh, has a, a seven inch coming out. I think it's, it's, you know, probably not going to be till next year, but it's recorded and it's done and it's called uh, vegan for the animals. And there's some new material on there and a couple old songs that we redid as well. Oh, who's putting that up? Um, I'm pretty sure it's uh Holy mountain records from North Carolina. Nice. They got a good uh they got a good merch game going on too, Holy Mountain. For sure, yeah. Now they do a lot of satan it looks like satanic themed bands. I don't know. The you know, I'm just looking from the outside. Am do you know anything about them? Am I right or wrong about this? Holy Mountain? Yeah, Danny uh is Danny, who also, you know, has done Seventh Dagger Records, the Stray Edge label. I mean, he's a, a big fan of you know, classic era, 70s, 80s horror movies, you know? So, I mean, he he's not into evil or anything. He just, he likes that specific, he likes that you know, book. suspense. Yeah, suspense genre, you know? Yeah. Now, I notice, maybe you notice that maybe even more like a half a decade ago to a decade, there was such a move for that whole, like, it seemed like ba- bands in the hardcore scene would have the, these satanic and evil overtones and, you know, from lyrically, artwork, the whole vibe, the imagery. And uh, I know you're kind of like a, a, a religious guy. Would, did, that, did, that, did you remember that kind of era and did it bother you at all? Well, I mean, to me, that was all just kind of static. You know, I think that they're, you know, in Scandinavia, I think those guys really were into it, you know, and there's probably sure. plenty of bands that, that really are into it. Whereas I think, you know, with hardcore, it's kind of like a carryover from punk. It's kind of the, the shock value aesthetic. Yeah. I think that's probably the best way to describe that. Like, I don't really know of any bands from our world that were involved in like, you know, those types of murders or destruction of churches or anything. But I mean, that stuff was really, I mean, it has happened in like that in the the black metal world, obviously, and in Scandinavia. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty, some of the stories are insane. Like talk about, you know, talk about being about it. Those guys were out of their minds, but yeah, like yeah, the hard the hardcore element when it was like th- uh, when when I did notice a little push for that style of stuff, yeah, nothing real. It was just maybe shock value kind of deals or just like, but I just I remember that from a couple years back. This little kind of like evil vibe. Everything is six six six. Everything is a every logo is a pentagram or upside down cross. And I, I was always wondering how the hell did that shit get into like the scene you know it always struck me as odd but yeah well then that, that's what i think i think for the most part and if it was coming out of hardcore it was probably more like an, an interest in the occult or the supernatural you know more than like a, a hatred for religion but then again i mean 
there's, you know, there may have been people that got abused by a priest or who knows what, and they felt a legitimate grievance or, you know, their parents were making them think that they were going to hell for whatever reason. I mean, that's, that's destructive too, when there's extremism involved in it. Yes. Yeah. The singer of uh, my band, he was raised as a Jehovah witness and, uh, and our bass player as well and uh did kind of a job on them you know what i mean like especially when they were young it seems uh they i don't do you know anything about that religion or no i actually do my uh there's two guys in in earth crisis whose uh family were involved in the same thing really wow and the singer of uh death threat aaron he was raised like that as well i had him on we were talking about it and uh yeah, so when you say you could start resenting stuff and kind of, you know, those guys based on their experience with their with their one religion, they kind of, you know, they could be broad and condemn the whole thing, all of Christianity for their, you know, for their experience, which would be the smartest thing, but yeah, I could see that happening. But yo, that's so a crazy when they're telling me stories about <laughs> about like what they were living through as kids and the weird kind of things they had to do. I was like, what the f it's talk about making a nutty person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, and that's the thing with hardcore, you know, you're going to find people that, you know, they had, they, you know, I mean, they're traumatized to be quite blunt, you know, they're, they have PTSD. They, you know, maybe lived in a car with their mom and their brother after their dad ran off. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to tell people specific stories, but I mean, I've heard plenty of them, you know? So, yeah. I mean, I think more, more than any, more than any other genre of music, I think like overall though, with hardcore, you definitely are going to find people that literally went through something, you know? So they're searching for, they're searching for their tribe. They're searching for, um, some type of actual unity and they're looking for actual, you know, an actual ideology or an actual plan to try and make their lives better or stabilize things. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that as well. I think this is, uh, you know, it's, it, it's not like a fantasy based escapism, like other types of music are, you know, no, they are. They're looking for definitely like a, a, a connection, you know, with something. Because right, exactly. In a lot of cases, all else failed, you know, and, and they found themselves here and hopefully it works out. You know, some people have bad experiences in the scene. Some people have great experiences, but yeah, uh, in a lot of cases, you're totally right. People are looking for something and that's how they ended up here. And uh, I for hate sure. when people leave the scene unhappy, that bothers me. You know, I feel like, uh, you know, I mean, some people are just, you know, whack jobs and no matter where they go it's going to be issues but you know sometimes good people come through and uh you get an unfair shake sometimes and that bothers me you know because to me this thing is is almost uh it's a i always say it's a to me it's a, a religion you know and uh i'd like to see people have good experiences with it me too and you know and that's the thing it's like you know not all scenes are the same and not all you know, people that are the quote unquote elders in those places are the same. You know, some of them are predacious. Some of them have egos or mental issues. I mean, that's just an unfortunate reality. But at the same time, that's not everywhere. I mean, I think 
when you, you know you and I have literally traveled the world, and I think you know most hardcore scenes for sure are made up of people that actually care about the music, they care about their friends, and they're they're trying to you know put the puzzle together in the dark and come out of it a, a better person with their their friendships intact. Oh, completely. And and if we're going to call if if I call this a religion then who is the mightiest prophet? Who is the mightiest <laughs> prophet of hardcore, in your opinion? Just for fun. Any names pop to mind? Well, I mean, like if, if you know, the type of hardcore that you and I have gravitated to has founding fathers, I mean, it would definitely be, you know, it would be Agnostic Front and, <laughs> and Crow Mags and Bad Brains. It absolutely would, yeah. Yeah, and it would probably have to be the... The guy atop, it probably would have to be Stigma, I would imagine. I mean, he's got, sure. yeah, you know, he's got ten years on Roger, right? Yeah, yeah, for wow. sure. Imagine Stigma with just sandals on and a robe, just, <laughs> I mean, just preaching the word. I would love that. <laughs> and what you know, and I was, I was, I had Freddie on uh, two episodes ago, and we were talking, and uh, you know, what a reputation on the guy, just as you know, for people who. We're always kids. You know, he always treated the kids in the scene well from all accounts, you know, so that's very cool. And like For sure, man. you have a bad guy running a certain scene, ugh, that could be that could be fucking rotten. But luckily we had stigma. Yeah, I think that's like one penny out of the dollar. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I think most, you know, most people that are, are gravitated to this, like you know, like I was saying earlier, I think they're looking for something positive and they're looking for something that's reality based, you know, whether they're, you know, no matter which specific direction they're going in, no matter which, you know, little faction they're unifying with, I think they are, you know, they want real friendships and they're looking for something positive. Now, was that the case with you when you first found yourself interested in the scene? I, you know, for me, I got into this whole thing through, through skateboarding and it was, you know, in like the early eighties, it was very much like punk was the soundtrack to that. Mm-hmm. Like they, they kind of went hand in hand mm. and, you know, full, full credit has to go to like Thrasher for just kind of disseminating that idea. And that magazine was incredible, especially during that era, you know, to, you know, figure out who the new bands were or who this, you know, what this company was or wh- who this skater was. I mean, it, it was incredible and it was underground. So you did feel like you were part of something special and unique. And um, incredible to this day, right? Yeah, for sure. Iconic. Yeah, 200%. So it wasn't really then, you know, uh, a search for a tribe, but it was you had a tribe. And that tribe sort of revolved around what you would find, you know, the, the punk rock scene from back then. And so early on, you, you kind of you, you were clueless to hardcore or just hardcore wasn't even av- available at the time. Well, my, my, my cousin was into it, but he was, uh, you know, he was a serious guy. He played bass in a band called Crucifixion of Christ, and he immediately went into the military and he went and fought in Panama and in the first Iraq war. And when he got, when he got back, he taught me how to box and stuff. So, I mean, he's, I mean, he introduced me to a lot, you know, he gave me a lot. Um, But, 
you know, I was just gravitating more towards like bands that had funny lyrics and stuff. Cause I was, you know, I was basically just out, you know, for fun and for laughs during that era when I was a teen, but, you know, as I started to get a little bit older and as, you know, certain parts of the city started to get more and more dangerous and school started to get dangerous. And, you know, I just, it kind of changed how I saw the world and it kind of changed how I saw the future and, and my place in it. Mm. And that, so do you, would you give uh, credit to your, to your cousin? For oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Is he Absolutely. still around? He's still around. Yeah. Well, not here. No, he lives in, where does he live? He lives in not Estonia, but whatever the other little country is over there. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, what, what put him out there? That's crazy. Yeah, I think his uh, girl. Oh, all right. Good for him. <laughs> he served his time and let him do his thing. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, that's another theme I notice a lot. A, a bigger brother or some or some older cat local, you know, locally is like a, the gateway to the scene. And, yeah, uh, and to and to be quite honest, and you know, we might as well be honest. You know, he was not, you know, he was probably not the best role model in some ways. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to kind of kind of reconnect some of that wiring that we kind of picked up from him. You know what I mean? Oh, I gotcha. Like he was, you know, um, somewhat volatile. Hmm. Did he was uh, like what in a violent way or like a the party? Well, in in a yeah in a violent way. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, sometimes those guys could be anchors. Got to be careful. Right. <laughs> that's that's, uh, that's interesting though. And were you like so you're into punk? So yep. the the straight edge thing is like it's existing, but not really on your radar yet. But were you always without knowing straight edge? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, there was a guy who lived maybe four houses up from my parents. Uh And he'd been drinking one night and he got on the highway the wrong way. He like went up an off ramp and he killed a a family or part of a family when he, after he had been drinking in a head on collision. Yeah, and that guy, and I didn't learn that until I asked one day. I was like, how come that guy doesn't doesn't drive to work? How come he walks to work? And I heard that that was the reason why I was like, oh, I am never, I am never going to mess with that stuff. I am never going to mess with alcohol. Mm. I mean, that that is terrifying to me. Um, and just, you know, some examples that I saw with, you know, people's dads and just within my own kind of family lineage, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm never going to have anything to do with this. You know, so I, I, I never experimented with drugs or alcohol in any way. And when I discovered straight edge, it was like the, the title for the, the way that I had already been living. Were you shocked to find uh, an actual scene that kind of already like had the values you were living by that it, it, something like that even existed? I didn't know. I didn't know what a scene was. I just knew that there were these bands and that there was at least five guys that could gather together and say like, Hey, this is how, this is how we're going to live. You know? So yeah, that there was, I mean, there was a punk scene by the time I was like in the middle of high school um, with bands. And, you know, I know that, uh, let's see. uh, There was, 
there was an awesome band called Catatonics. There was a, a comedy core band called Milton's Disciples. There was um, One Death Two. There was there was I mean those bands were good. Like if you if you pull that up, um, Catatonics hunted down. I mean that is a legitimately great seven inch. Nice. And yeah, that's, uh, so uh, Buffalo based bands. Syracuse based. Oh, Syracuse. My bad. Well, yeah. that's, a, that's a bad bad insult i just did right there that's my no point. that's all right i mean dennis is from buffalo so we would we would practice in buffalo at his house and we would play with slugfest and you know snapcase and all the other bands out there i mean they're only three hours away from us and what was the first straight edge band you came across the first the first well it was obviously minor threat but the first straight band that, that truly captured my imagination was was youth of today you know when i when i got that record i thought this is phenomenal and then i started going backwards in time and i love dys and ssd and slapshot came out with firewalker and I, that i was like this music is incredible i i want to be a part of this mm. and were you the first uh straight edge band out of syracuse or was there something popping before you guys no, we are 200% the first straight-edge band here. Yeah. There was hardcore bands, there was punk bands, there was ska bands. Um, Too Hectic was really good, but yeah, we were definitely the first straight-edge band because we were the only straight-edge guys here. And you mentioned um, you mentioned Zero Tolerance uh, a yep. lot, and I, 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 had, uh, I had Vogel on, and he always mentioned Zero Tolerance. I don't know too much about them. I got to check yes. them out. Like It seems they're getting a lot of high praise. Oh, dude, Face the Panic. I mean, they that that cassette was phenomenal. And they played Syracuse at least three times that I saw. Nice. Like they were they were on like a judge or Cro Mags level. Like the music was phenomenal. Oh, geez, that's a that's a big compliment right there. I gotta check this now. For sure, yeah. You know how I feel about Judge. Wow. That, yeah, yeah. And we saw Judge too. Um, they played SU had a, a music hall called the underground and it was awesome. There was no security. There was no um, barrier. The stage is like two feet off the ground. It was like super wide and low. That show was, well, I'll remember that forever. Nice. Yeah, man. When you think of like certain, like you probably haven't thought about that show in a minute, but when something hits your mind, like a classic show you saw, it's crazy how clear, like, you could see it for me anyway i oh certain, yeah me too yeah like so I, I can't remember anything but then somebody mentions like a certain show and i'm like oh yeah that was a killer show i mean i remember you guys at cc's once when it was it was like the biggest pylon up until that point i've ever seen i didn't really know <laughs> i didn't i didn't know there was a word pylon at the time you know and i was like whoa this is crazy man and yeah the music shows were amazing yeah that place was that place was so consistent there were so many shows there that it just we used to just drive there sometimes and not even know who was playing and i remember one time it was snowing we knew there was a show up there it was pretty bad we're like ah let's go up anyway see what happens and we're like the guy's name was vince that owns it. we said vince who's playing tonight and he's like we got Madball from new york i said like, get out of here are you kidding and it was this bad snowstorm so we're like wondering if they sh gonna show up or what and they showed up and we had like this almost like a private Madball show during a, a snowstorm. But yeah, CC's was always, uh, always booked up. I mean, 
it was a great spot, man. A lot of people up here like have uh, fond memories of CC's. You know, does it still exist? No, it doesn't at all. The whole building is gone. Uh, the guy is still in the area. People still see him here and there. The, the owner, but now nope. it's gone. It's been gone for a long time. You know, and you know what's crazy? Like other like iconic iconic clubs that you know connect to hardcore are gone like even like cbgb's is gone right oh, and, is, and is, is the rat or the middle east gone in in boston i think one of them is the rat is gone middle east is still there okay good because yeah. you know what i mean the lost horizon still there like i remember seeing like suicidal tendencies and dri and doa at um the lost horizon in the 80s and that wow. is still, you know, and Tara played there a couple of years ago. I mean, it's yeah. still, it's still there and it's still great. I'm pretty sure I played with Earth Crisis at Lost Horizon when I was in that band, Coming Correct. Yeah. And, and we, uh, I mean, that band was real half-ass, totally half-ass. And we were real excited about the show. And then the singer, Rick, he was like, uh, yo, the drummer can't make it. Rich, you got to play drums. I'm like, why? <laughs> like, I could kind of like jump on a set and like make a beat, but I can't play. You know what I mean? So I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, well, I don't even have drums. And he's like, nah, nah, that's, we'll find somebody. And it was your drummer that loaned us his drums. And to that point, it was like a from you know, I I didn't know much about drums. It was a really nice set, and I felt horrible to even use it. And I remember him kind of standing behind me while I was playing. I was thinking like. This guy probably thinks like, "What the hell is going on?" Like, it's clear I don't know how to play drums. You know what I'm saying? And I'm trying to play the show, and it was a great show. Like the turnout and everything was, but that's a that's a lost horizon memory. Yeah, and that's and you know, and that's like the way you know Dennis and Scott always were. You know, oh yeah, you know, you broke a string, here you go. Oh, your drums, here you go. Or you know, letting people stay with, at our houses or whatever when they came through. I mean. Yeah, it, it really it, it really was a unity vibe, you know, and that's and that's part of what perplexed us when we would go out and have problems or like this like whole vibe is different. This whole vibe is bizarre, you know, because our our goal was always to, you know, make sure, you know, bands that traveled through that have been invited to play were, were treated well, you know, were mm -hmm. treated with respect, were treated with kindness. They didn't have to believe the same things we do or think along the same exact lines that you know i mean that's always great when it happens but that's not that's not the most important thing yeah you guys were certainly uh, kind to me because you know you can see this this half a gorilla is is on the guy's set and doesn't know how to play it <laughs> I, I, i'd be like so upset if some guy who didn't know how to play guitar and he's like yeah can i use your guitar and i oh my god this guy's gonna ruin my shit but you know, yeah, you guys did have a real like classy reputation. You always did. So it, it is that is weird to hear. But there was an era back then where things were just, you know, and even within the straight edge scene, it was things were violent and, and there was problems. Certain areas you'd go through certain areas. You always be like, oh, you know, who knows what's going to go on out here this time. And uh, the, the connection that straight edge had to those sort of things at that time was it ever like uh, an embarrassment to you or, or did you feel kind of like in a weird way sort of responsible you know because that's certainly not your attitude but it was like the actions of of a lot of people at the time well i'll say this you know like our scene was very very 
family oriented, very unified. Um, you know, it was a kind of a like let's win together mentality. But the city itself was very dangerous. And things would happen from time to time, you know, and if you weren't willing to stand up for yourself, for your friends, I mean, you would get robbed or you would get harmed. So, you know, we had to do what was necessary in order to, to, you know, just out of like self-preservation instincts. (laughs) So that, that was, you know, and this was long before, you know, there was cameras on every corner and everything else, you know, so and big parts of the city were also like boarded up. Um, so it, it was just, the city had a, a different vibe. Like right now it's, it's such a different place than it was in the, in the early nineties. Cause in the early nineties, a bunch of the, a bunch of the major companies that kind of helped float the city financially, like just kind of packed up and left like carrier plant shut down and the candle factory shut down and the uh the china ware place shut down so you know suddenly like people's dads didn't have jobs or people were moving to tennessee or north carolina or whatever and it was it was just very weird and people were fearful and angry and you know we unfortunately kind of had to deal with that while we were trying to say hey let's save the environment and the animals and not you know Mm. feed the drug cartels and feed the um, pharmaceutical companies. You know, So, it, I mean, there, that kind of stuff happened here, but like it wasn't within the scene. It was, you know, with just problems, you know, yeah. but as far as, as far as that stuff goes in, in other places, um, I definitely think that the singer of lifeless for whatever reason in Utah you know, he was very, a very violent guy and he just was. And that's the reality of his time on earth. Like he, he passed away, but I mean, he was hitting people with a chain with a padlock on the end of it. You know what I mean? He was, he was definitely laying people out and he was the older guy. And if you're younger and you're coming up, I mean, he, you know, kind of was probably the, you know, kind of the focal point. All kind of the okay, yeah. So you might you might strive for that as a younger guy, is what you're saying. Or you or, or you might just think that what he was doing was normal. Yeah. Okay. And that especially, was that a, yeah, especially if you're someone that's coming from you know an abusive background and you you have PTSD yourself or whatever. You know, you're looking to this guy on some level, either subconsciously or literally, for for leadership and. You know, he's got this great band and this great voice, but this is how he handles problems. So I guess this is normal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's, uh, if it's, if it's the person I'm thinking of from lifeless, it's, was he in a car accident or something like that? He was, yeah, he was in a car accident. He was going to a show, I think in Nevada and they hit black ice and he, uh, you know, suffered some severe injuries and he was in a lot of pain. And I think he ended up um taking himself out oh man yeah okay that's the yeah. story i heard then yeah well yeah life has had a reputation for sure now now i haven't heard that name in a while but yeah they had yeah. a reputation for sure and uh man that's that's like a tragic life right jeez man it, for sure yeah you hear stuff like that that's oh. and now you know like maybe that guy was older than us at the time or whatever but now it was like older men. Jeez, you think 
man, these this poor guy, this poor kid, he didn't even get past this age when we're, you know, we start looking back. Yeah, man, life could be cold. You know that. But uh <laughs> that's uh yeah, that's part of the that era was there was scenes like that that were just uh and throughout the Midwest, there was a lot like that. Where they, they were heavy on the straight edge vibe, but they were also they were also very violent. And it, they could be like, you know, like you said, you'd want to have a fun show and you don't get why the vibe here is awful. You know, there was a case a lot back then. Almost every time if we were, you know, with my older bands, if we're going somewhere else, a lot of times I'd be like, oh, uh, one of the shows we go through here, probably going to be problems. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I know. And and this will all, all this stuff will sound utterly insane to younger guys, you know, that, that grew up in a whole different era, you know, but like, that's, that's what hardcore was, man. I mean, it was the, the craziest guys that were walking the face of the earth, all, you know, forming these little tribes and forming these bands and, you know, they'd been, they'd survive whatever they had and, you know, lived in some of these insane neighborhoods. So, I mean, yeah. things that seem bizarre to us now were just a part of their self-preservation instincts. Yeah, and never mind the Nazi element back then. That was like a real thing. I'm not sure if that's a a real worry about a, a touring hardcore band nowadays that he might go to a a town or a city that has a Nazi stronghold that and they come to the shows and they wreck the place. Is that even a thing now? I don't think so. I think that their their scenes are just. You know, they're out there and they're operating, but they're running parallel. I don't think those worlds collide anymore, you know? No. I think that was kind of a uniquely, like, American thing, too, because uh, because America had the bands like Cro-Mags and Agnostic Front that had, like, in Warzone with the skinhead element, although they weren't obviously white power, but it would attract a lot of the white power people in other areas where overseas a lot of skinheads aren't into hardcore at all, you know? Right. Like, we would be in the pit and... It would be us and for Slayer, let's say, and it would be, you know, the metalheads, and then there would be guys from Rochester or Watertown who came down who were into that whole thing, you know. So I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah w- w- worlds would definitely collide, you know, and, and especially at a Slayer show. Forget it, come on. Yeah, at a Slayer show for sure, you know. Um, we, had, we had a venue here. You ever hear of this place called the Airport Music Hall in Allentown? I think I think we may have seen Conviction or Vigil there. I don't think we played there, but I think we saw one of them there. This place was just notorious for the Nazi element, to the you know to the degree of hundreds of of neo Nazis, shaved heads, look like right. professional wrestlers, and every you know. But they would get great shows. I saw uh, a tour there once. It was it was uh, called the New Titans on the Block, and it was like sick of it all. Biohazard, Sepultura, Sacred Reich. I don't know if you remember that tour back then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. So it stopped there. Oh, my gosh. What devastation. But we knew what we were getting into. We knew that they were going to be there so deep. And every band got cut short, got in a fight, got, you know, thrown off stage, this and that, except Sepultura, right, at the end. I think they were headlining, but Sepultura yep. played like three songs. There was no issues yet. And then all of a sudden they just stopped and said, you know what? Fuck you guys. We're leaving. And, <laughs> and we, as like regular hardcore dudes that came to see, especially support sick of it all. And 
and biohazard on a bill like that we were so bummed but it was i mean it was complete devastation that place is notorious but that was definitely a possibility even at the regular hardcore shows these guys might show up for some reason it was really weird it could be a good movie man right like i mean a early mid 90s touring band somebody start writing the like a uh a, a series about that and it just like from one city <laughs> to one small town to the next and driving and gas stations and fights and oh that could be great well I, I mean you know buffalo had that and i remember we were playing there with agnostic front and uh there was definitely an altercation yeah they would love the agnostic front it was a shame but they really they really and I, I remember them they're loving certain bands and i'm like clearly like this band you like is not like all oh, white people i don't get it like you know it was <laughs> it was crazy man it was a crazy time but yeah i wonder if that's a thing i gotta talk to some of my younger friends that are hitting the road and and see if they come across this this stuff yeah i would i would be surprised i think i mean it's there and i'm sure they're out doing what they do but i, I just don't think the worlds collide anymore i just don't think they do yeah I mean, you know you know um and that's the thing you know um I remember there was this one documentary on vh1 years ago and there was a guy who was who was playing in one of those types of bands and he said when his family moved into a neighborhood you know he went down to like play basketball or something with the other kids and the local dudes all like you know brutally beat him wow you know, so that was his introdu- that was his introduction as a white kid into that neighborhood. Mm. And I'm like, so if that's what's going on, day one of him moving into that neighborhood, and he was there like, hey guys, let's play Paul. I mean, you know, yeah. somebody's got to somebody's got to show that guy some love. Somebody's got to say, hey, not everybody in this neighborhood was a part of that group that did that to you. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, there's you know, there's there, you know. And nowadays you get crucified for whatever you say, but there might be a reason, maybe not a good enough reason, but a a reason and a trigger. And when you're young and you don't have much and then you think you found something, you could really, I mean, why do you think there's so, especially nowadays, so many people in gangs, why do you think? That's what I'm saying. And, And I think that, and I, and I bet you most of the time it's really not political it's really not like some deep seated thing. It's probably just a gang shit. You know what I mean? And it's 100%. territorial and it's protection, you know? And that's why that stuff never, I don't think it ever really gains the kind of momentum that, that it does in other parts of the world here, you know, yeah. because it's like when people get a little bit older and they're like, Oh, well I work with this guy and this guy's nice. Or this guy's married to my sister and my nephew's great. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You know, I think it just it kind of erases itself, but totally. that, that that doesn't happen in every part of the world. And you know, and but stuff like that. I mean, that like that guy was telling his story. He yeah. was saying that this is why this happened. This is why I got into this stuff. You know, because who knows? And he might have been going to school, and the same thing was happening every day. So, I mean, it's something to take into an account. It's something to take into account. You know, if people are gravitating to these extreme hateful ideologies. You know, it, it makes sense to look into why, and then it lo- makes sense into not, 
you know, not like discarding that person, but like, Hey, not everybody is that guy that did that to you. Not everybody's a part of that group that did that to you. You know, most people are reasonable. Most people are, are kind hearted. You know, you had some bad luck, but that's not everybody. Yeah. And you know what? You're right. Uh, I went to a high school that was really mixed, all types of people. And before there was a, a, a white power neo-Nazi skinhead element, there was a lot of kids that were at the time, they were like really into gangster culture. They loved wearing LA Kings gear, uh, Los Angeles Raider gear, all of the black. They, they, you know, NWA was popping at the time. They loved this stuff. They dressed like it. And I, I, I remember clearly people that love that stuff within a year became skinhead, Nazi skinheads, because a certain Nazi skinhead moved in. And I guess these people found him cool or whatever, and they were looking for something and they just joined the gang. And it's literally what it was, a gang. And most of them knew nothing about anything political, but they just would say the red Rick and they'd get like the tattoos and go through the motions. But yeah, it was just like they found, right, now, their, now, they found their little thing, you know? You know, now you add in that if they're operating like, your average gang does and they're selling weed or something harder, you know, wow. And I just got $300 in two days. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're, they're going to be hooked for at least a decade because not only do they have like, you know, people backing them up, but they've got a certain type of twisted prestige and they've got money coming in. So, I mean, of course, of course it's going to happen, you know? Yeah. In neighborhoods, in neighborhoods where people are already angry when neighborhoods that, you know, people are, are basically raised by parents that were in a state of despair, you know? So, I mean, these are, these, it's like, if you go to the doctor and you're feeling sick, you want the doctor to tell you the truth. And like a lot of the stuff me and you've been talking about over the last 15, 20 minutes is the truth. You know what I mean? It's like why people gravitate to these type, different types of extremism because of their personal, you know, their personal victimization or what have you. Yeah. I like that old saying, hurt people, hurt people. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you gotta, gotta reach out. You gotta heal people. You can't discard people. You just gotta, you know, bring them up to speed with reality. You know, yes, that happened. Yes, that was cool, but that's not everybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, as, as we see the country, the way the country's going and crime on the rise and, uh, it just, it looks like dire times. Hopefully things turn around I'm, for fentanyl and OD overdoses, like through the roof in the smallest towns to the biggest cities. I, I'm in New York city every day and I, I haven't, you know, I've been working there over 20 years. I haven't seen it at this state since, you know, a, a long time. It look, it's pretty rough. It's not crazy. Like if you watch Fox news, they really make it seem like, you know, you, you walk the streets, you're going to be dead, but it's, it's <laughs> definitely, it's definitely rougher than it was. And, yep. uh, it's a bad look, but I see the real, real young guys. I mean, everything is gang related at this point in the cities. It just right. And that's what I'm saying. You know, and, and, and Syracuse was at the beginning of that curve. I remember CNN and I think it's on YouTube. CNN did actually did a story on like gangs growing in Syracuse, like oh. 20 years ago, it made national news. They were like, and they referred to us as a mid-sized city. You know, so with a, with like a, with like a major city gang problem and they, 
the prediction was that like Syracuse and Baton Rouge, Louisiana, we're going to have massive gang problems in the future. And here we are, you know, in 2021 and there are Crips and Bloods and other like notoriously violent gangs here in the city. Yeah. It seems like in a lot of those upstate New York uh, cities, Newburgh and Albany, those places like this, it's, they're pretty rough cities at this point. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, there's a kid here who promotes shows. He he plays in a band and he referred to the city as poverty stricken. And I was like, I mean, maybe it is, you know, I mean, if we've got like the, the gunshot detectors up everywhere and stuff like, you know, maybe, maybe it is worse. You know, I definitely think there's more shootings. It's the end of this, the last days. But let me ask you this, since you mentioned the news, you mentioned that, what did you mention, CNN or someone doing a thing up there? Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Let's talk about that infamous Geraldo Rivera interview. <laughs> How did that thing pop up? Did they just reach out to you and say, uh, you know, Geraldo wants to talk to you tonight at 8? Yep. And I got on my skateboard and I went up to Newhouse School which is a part of SU and they had like a, a satellite linked um, media room. And I went in and it was the only interview I've ever done where it was like closed circuit style, you know, where he was on a screen in a different location and I was there in this studio, you know, so it's not like we were, we were in a room with each other. Like when CNN came here or 48 hours or, um abc news or recovery network where it was like a proper interview where they came and like hung out with us for a couple days and they got footage and then just cherry picked what they wanted out of it it like this one was very it was almost like an ambush you know so it's not like i was in a room and i could put up my hand and say wait 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 what are you talking about you know but basically for people that haven't seen it just make a long story short and you know it's an it's a tragic story for sure there were straight edge guys if i understand correctly and and if i don't hopefully people can you know comment their way to the to the authentic version of it but but to the best of my knowledge there was straight edge guys in i think it was salt lake or reno and they got in conflict with some dudes that were in some type of a gang and uh there was a fight and a weapon was involved and one of these kids lost their life, you know? Um, and so the city panicked and said, Oh, straight edge is a gang too. Mm-hmm. Now who knows what led up to this altercation? Who knows what led up to this fight that turned into a, a killing, you know, but for whatever reason, they immediately jumped on that story and they were trying to like take the wheel and, and just drive everything right off the cliff. Oh, straight edge. It's a gang. It's a gang. It's a gang. And so I went on and I said, and I remember, uh, you know, the police officer spoke and the, and the victim's father or stepfather spoke and, and it, you know, it's a, it's a horrible thing. Somebody lost their life, you know, over a fight, um, over some conflict. And what I said was, Hey, you know, if you're in conflict with people, let it go. You know, in a couple of years, you will never see that person again. You'll never see them again. You'll never cross paths. It's not worth taking it to that type of an extreme. Mm-hmm. You know, someone's going to lose their life and the people that, and whoever took that life is going to wind up behind bars or they're going to have a, a felony conviction and it's going to be hard to get a decent job after or whatever, you know? So it's just, it's just a horrible thing, 360 degrees. 
but anyways, I said, listen, you know, most, most straight edge people are, you know, they're, they're involved in creative endeavors, you know, they're making films or they're photographers or they're writing poetry or music or what have you, you know, they're involved in positive things. This is the anomaly. And Geraldo was just cutting me off. He had already got it in the forefront of his thoughts that we were the villains. And, you know, he was basically talking over me. So it, it just turned into a mess because I wasn't in the room with him, you know? It, so there wasn't like a natural back and forth conversation. Hmm. It was, it was very easy for him to cut me off. Cause it was like a satellite link. How old were you at the time? I was probably, I mean, Freya had just been born. So I was probably 30. Okay. 31. Yeah. Yeah. I did. When you said the word ambush, that's a good word for it. Yeah. And, and it was ridiculous. And that was the last time, you know, anytime anyone's ever, you know, contacted me for an interview, I said, okay, well, we can do an interview, but I'm going to have somebody there with a the camera and we're going to film the whole thing. Yeah. So that if you cut this thing apart and, you know, try to make us look villainous or what have you, this, this, entire interview will go up on youtube <laughs> you know so that people can at least see what what was actually said what actually transpired yeah. because it could take anything and cut it up and make it look hostile you know or negative totally and uh and and and, and since then you know it's like what have i done you know i did podcast interview with with hoya with you i did um you know the one from uh uh, with uh, Toby H2O. Like, I've done a lot of them. So I feel like we can document our own history with each other far better than mainstream news media ever could. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, it's, it's now it's to the point where you kind of don't need, you don't need these big productions. You could put your stuff up and people that are interested could find it and listen. But uh, that one back in the day, it, the, like I said, the ambush is a good word. And he just, like, he had it in his head that he had like a criminal... And it was so stupid, though. It was like, you know, sensationalized. It was it was ridiculous. And you you were calm and cool, and he was, like, going crazy. So it's like, what did he think he was proving? Like, you have to speak for every person that calls himself straight edge around the planet? Like, it was like, it was. So yeah. Stupid. Yeah. And I and I think I did. I did kind of trip them up. I was like, well, actually there's massive straight edge scenes in South America, including Brazil and Colombia. <laughs> so he wasn't ready for that. You know, he was yeah. like, Oh, this is some white boys hate club or something. And it's like, no, not at all. Yeah. That's a good way to insult is just say it's white boy stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's ridiculous. Yo, you mentioned Reno might've been in Reno. It, I, I never been to Reno. Is there a big straight edge scene there? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, you know, on Concord, of course, I mean, they're probably one of the best West Coast straight edge bands of all time. And those dudes are still edge. Oh, they're nice. still edge, you know, and ho I heard that they were actually going to work on some new stuff. So hopefully that'll happen. But yeah, I mean, Unconquered led that scene. And I, I mean, it was fantastic. All our shows out there were awesome. Now, do you but that is, I mean, that, 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 that is one thing, though. It's all it takes. I mean, if there's like two, three guys and they get in some altercation with somebody. I mean, it's, it's easy for the media to come in and, and paint everything with a broad brush, you know, especially oh, if the violence yeah. gets a little out of control, which it can, you know? Yeah. That's basically what he did. And he wanted you to like uh, represent these as guys as like a lawyer, 
Well, you know, yeah, I don't know who yeah, the fuck Mind your business, motherfucker. You should have told him. I, it was it was bizarre. It was bizarre, and that was the end of me agreeing to do any interviews ever again where I didn't have somebody where I wasn't in the room with whoever was interviewing me, and it was going to be filmed by somebody that I brought with me. Yo, it was bizarre, but kind of a cool thing, right? You got a, you got a, <laughs> you were like in a, in a little match with with Geraldo Rivera. That's cool. That's a good thing. Well, and that's the thing, you know. It's like I just, you know, had it been anybody else from his network, I don't think it would have gone like that. I think he, he gravitates towards like sensationalism, and you know, us versus them type stuff. Yeah. So I, I mean, he, I, I should have thought of that before I even went into it. Yeah. Well, you, you know, like you're at a disadvantage, the whole thing that's his setup over some satellite, him screaming and yelling. Right, right, right. Yeah. But I mean, if I, if I had a time machine, would I change it? I mean, probably not, you know, because I mean, I did, I did the best that I could and I just tried to really highlight and emphasize that, you know, 99.9% of all straight edge and vegan straight edge dudes are are, are quality people that are trying to do something positive with their lives. No, I thought you did good. You looked calm and authentic. He looked like a person who was putting on a show. You know, he was like, putting on a little <laughs> show. I'm going to get tough with this wise guy. You know, like one of those kind of thing. Listen right. here, you young, you young thug. Listen to me, you know, come on. Right. While he's on TV, punching people in the face, I know. you know, per- personally. Remember we got that chair bounced off his nose by the Nazis. <laughs> yeah but but i mean he should he should have had the sense not to put them on oh told well he wanted to you know that's the thing like he wanted he he would probably when he got hit with the chair he'd like yes like he wants <laughs> that shit. that's what the weirdo wants yeah see and if he if he'd had the straight edge guys on you know that would have never happened no they would have <laughs> if he fo- if he focused on something positive you know exactly come on Geraldo, change your ways <laughs> you're getting old now you're still doing this shit <laughs> now nah, he's all right now we'll forgive him we'll forgive the guy i just right, seen him the other it, day he was arguing with uh sean hannity and uh another guy over stuff i just seen him the other day he was, boy he was getting crazy i love watching the news all these people are so nuts i go from yeah. channel to channel and get get like one story then the 360 reverse story and this guy what they make oh what he said is bad and then you turn the channel or oh, what he said is good you know so <laughs> Things are crazy, man. I'd say in 10 years, we won't know what is real at all. Like, we're almost oh. there now. Like, we just won't know what is real. I mean, I think we were there 10 years ago. You could be right. You know? I mean, I think they want division. I think they want conflict. I don't know who it serves, but it seems to me like they want division and conflict. And they want a normalization and, and a mainstreaming of criminality. It's It's bizarre, but... I mean, I, I see it. That's my take on it. Yeah. No, you're not far off. I mean, it's, uh, I, you can't really get your grips around what's going on. I mean, if you're looking for an expert to show you the truth, every side has seems to have an expert now. Like there's a legitimate expert with credentials representing every side. So what is real anymore? You know, it's, you know, or at least we're told they're legitimate experts, you know. Right. And that's the thing we always have to bear in mind, like these different networks, they do have very specific agendas, you know, and they do have controlling interests and they are 
they there are masters behind the curtain that they're serving you know and just you always have to bear in mind too it's like okay we'll check out what they're advertising oh well it's this new pfizer drug well it's this new merck drug whatever i mean they want all that stuff you know they they definitely want everyone medicated they definitely want everyone narcotized and thinking that you know, oh, well, if you have this anxiety, if you have this anxiety, you don't need to medicate it away. The anxiety is there so that you you change course, so that you change your situation, so that it propels you forward out of a problematic situation. Yeah, it's almost like a natural. Uh, yeah, it's like, a, like, it's, like a re, it's like a reflex from pain. Oh, I'm getting burned. I better pull my hand away from the stove. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like, oh, this person's aggravating me. I should walk away. And yeah, you should. Now you're on some pills and you sit there and listen to this idiot. You should have walked away. Stay off the pills. Exactly. These suckers. But I love these commercials. The pharmaceutical commercials with the, the people are fishing and like touching each other's shoulders and smiling. And, yeah, it's, and, and at the end, it may cause suicidal thoughts. Make Oh, God. Yeah, it's like, uh, I mean, that's something that Apocalypse Tribe has touched on repeatedly lyrically. You know, we got a song called Drug Life. We got another song called Big Brother, Big Pharma. Yeah, nice. I mean, yeah, we could. There's man, there's more, there's more, but I'm just saying, you know, it's it, it's definitely reached a point where we need to we need to factor into the overall equation. Okay, this network has an agenda, and this network has an agenda, and all half of their advertising is paid for by pharmaceutical companies or alcohol companies or whatever else. So whatever they're saying, we need to call it into question. Yeah. And to me, that's like common sense. Like, why wouldn't they have an agenda? Like, so when people are like trusting this stuff, I'm like, but why? Like they have their business. They have to serve the people that pay them. Like, what is wrong with you? Why would you think this this is a legitimate source of, of anything that's neutral and unbiased? Why would you think that crazy fucking sheep? Right, right, right. So I mean, the way I view it is I take it all with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I run it and I run it all through that filter first of, okay, the, this is where they're coming from. This is where they're coming from. This is where they want to steer us, you know, and I'm not into any of it. I don't want it. I want to be left alone. Yeah, I do enjoy it though. I, I'm, I, I love politics and watching debates and watching uh, politicians uh, diss each other and, and, and just watching the contradiction. I look at politics and the news like like a football fan watches the NFL. Like, I really yeah, do like circus. But I don't take any of it serious. You know, it's just like, you know, I'm not buying any of it, but I am, am at least I'm going to allow them to entertain me. These maniacs. For sure. Yeah. It's so weird. It's, it's, it, yeah. It's like, it's like reached like a Jerry Springer level. What's the other guy's name? Which, uh, the bald guy, the big guy. He was a cop. Oh, uh, that used to be the security on uh, Dan Bongino, that guy. No, 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 no. What's it? Yeah, he used to be the security. What's his name? Steve. Steve something. Steve. Steve Rocco. Yeah. Steve Rocco. Yeah. I mean, it's all. It's like that kind of a level. You know yeah. what I mean? It's I just like love those shows too. I got to admit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean they are funny. No one's saying they're not funny. Yeah, I used I to. Uh, I was a groundskeeper at this like resort. And I had a key to like all the cottages and stuff. And while I was doing all my making my rounds, doing this and that, at when when Jerry Springer came on, I would go into one of the cottages, 
turn that TV on, take my shoes off, go on the couch and just watch. And I used to love that crazy show. That that guy was, uh, the, I don't know, could have been real. It was that anything real on that show. I don't know, but it was so crazy. I don't know. Was, I don't know. It was something else, man. And meanwhile, he's like an ex-mayor of some city and he was caught like he paid a, a prostitute with a with a check and that's how he got fired and then he becomes a talk show host of a show where people fight each other it's crazy <laughs> that's that's the kind of guy i want for mayor yeah <laughs> yeah he is definitely paying him he's not trying to you know run out on him so yeah. that was nice Jeez, what a guy yeah. right <laughs> this is this is crazy stuff he's paying for goods and services yeah, Jerry Springer, Steve Wilco. But yeah, I guess he got to start being Jerry's like security guy, you know? Yep. Yeah, but I see I see what you're saying. I mean, like the like the outrageousness of it all, you know, the the primalism of it all. It, it I mean, it is. It's definitely a show. It's a show in and of itself. Yeah, the whole world is a stage, as they say. The world is a stage. Let me ask I, you this I, question before I let you go though. Okay. Because this is like uh Throughout the years, there's been bands that came and they they flew the flag, the straight edge flag, and this and that. And a lot of them would end up. What what word do we use for it? They would end up selling out. You know, that's the word. It is what it is, and and that's fine. You know, my plan is to eventually be the last remaining straight edge person. So I love when the people sell out. But uh, I got competition out there. I know, but uh, I'll wait it out. But was there ever a heartbreak for you of a certain band that just broke your heart when you heard the news? Oh, dude, let me tell you, they all broke my heart. They all, like all those 80s bands that I grew up loving, that I was traveling to see when I would hear this guy's not into it anymore, that guy's not anymore, this guy's running it down in an interview, running down the concept of Straight Edge, it infuriated me. And that's why I wrote No Allegiance. And I said, you know what? We're going to be a whole different type of straight edge band. And we're going to talk about how for us, this is a lifetime commitment. And we're going to use those words so that when kids are listening to our band or they're singing along with our band, they're going to know that we're going the distance We're you know, it's all the way, it's all the way to the end. And that's something that I have put into all those lyrics, you know, from no allegiance to forging the flames to good morning season ends, you know, and on and on through all these records, through all these years, it's like straight edge for us is forever. It's forever true. And uh, nothing's going to change that. You know, it's like, I'm, I was proud to, you know, have create like a line of demarcation and, you know, to say that, you know, I'm not separating from people, but I'm separating from poisons. That's for sure. Man. I love it. I, I got the biggest smile on my face right now. <laughs> when you said you're, you're in it till the end. Wow, that's serious. Now, would you would you would you name any of these bands? And now you wouldn't even name them. Well, here's the thing, and you know, I've I've mentioned this in some of the other podcast interviews that I've done. Uh -huh. it, if memory serves correct, and you know, it may not be entirely accurate, but from what I from what I recollect, Ian Mackay, the originator through Teen Idols and Minor Threat of this whole thing, he said that he saw straight edge as a law of moderation anti-obsession and if you know my hardcore history is accurate the singer bad brains gave him and 
Henry Rollins some book about how, you know, if you, if you maintain, um, you know, an alcohol free lifestyle and you, you know, apply like a, a severe and disciplined work ethic, your, your life's going to run smooth, you know? But my thought was like right around the end of the eighties, you know, when you'd hear about all these, you know, guys from different bands and Ian McKay is still straight edge and same from choke from Slapshot, and same for judge. You know what I mean? Same for Mike mm-hmm. judge. All those guys, you know, are still 200% down. They're still 200% straight edge, you know, but now nah, you can't say that about everybody from back then. And I would hear about, you know, certain people falling off certain people, you know, breaking edge or selling out, however you want to put it. And it, and it hurt. It literally hurt because it was important to me. So I, I don't want to name names because their their definition of it was different than mine. My my definition has always been the same. It's a lifetime commitment to never experiment with, uh, you know, a drop of alcohol or any drugs or for escapism or any, you know, smoking of any type. I don't want anything to do with it. I, I've seen the devastating effect it's had on friends and relatives. And in the punk scene that I grew up with, I saw it you know, poison people's athletic ability with skating and snowboarding and just take them down a, a dead end path. And I, you know, there's guys that, you know, that are gone now, like, you know, Pete from Libertine, he played bass and he uh, roadied for earth crisis and Freya. He was always out with the human serenade and, you know, he overdosed and died a couple years ago. And Polly, you know, he was in sworn enemy and, yeah. Um, yeah. and you know, everybody gets hurt and he was in vehement serenade with me for years. This is a great guy. And, you know, he was a talented chef. He was, a he was an incredible drummer. He's a great guy. And he, you know, he got more and more into the drugs and he overdosed and he left a wife and a child behind, you know, and all his friends. So, I mean, it's, it's coming from, you know, it's coming from a point of understanding reality. You know, there, there is no escape. There is no escape from the, the harshness of the day-to-day struggles. You know, you just have to have those head-on collisions and, and recalibrate and solve those problems. I mean, getting high or getting drunk is just going to make things worse and it's just going to prolong the agony and exacerbate whatever's wrong. Yeah. And you mentioned Paulie, poor Paulie. And what a smile that guy had, right? Oh, dude, I can see. And that's the thing, you know, I can. So fun to be around. Yeah. And I'd go down to Queens and, you know, we'd be hanging out on his fire escape. We'd be watching history channel and, you know, just bouncing jokes and being out in Queens and having a blast. Like, you know, he went, I went all over the country with him. I went to Japan with him, you know, like, I would sit next to him in the van. I would sit next to him on the plane. I would stand on his drum riser. Like I was with him every day for years, yeah. you know, and it's, and it's weird. It's weird to think that, you know, just suddenly he was gone. Damn. That's brutal. You know, so, you know, thank God for straight edge. And yeah. You know, and like, like you said, if people, uh, you know, like all right, people are going to sell out. That's going to happen. And you know what? If you sell out, no big deal. But like you said, now you're running it down. Thing. Like you mentioned, people talking shit afterwards. That's a come on. What is wrong with you people? Don't talk. If you if you sell out, keep your mouth shut. Remove the tattoo. No harm done. Everybody's happy. But to go out there and act like you know anything else, you just you couldn't hack it. Hey, couldn't hack it. That's the bottom line. It's not for you. No hard feelings, but don't talk shit. That's my thing. Hey. Exactly. And that's, and that's why I, I put a little differential between the two. It's like, if somebody breaks edge, what do they do? 
they tried this thing, which is perfect for me, perfect for you. It wasn't a good fit for them, you know, and they say, hey, it wasn't a good fit for me. They're going to go and do something different now. That's fine. You're my friend. I'm there with you. But when people stop being straight edge and they're mocking their former straight edge friends and they're running the concept down, that is what I would identify as a sellout. And that's what, that's what I would look upon with contempt because of the way they've conducted themselves. You know what I mean? It's like they're, they're two very different things to me, you know? And that's the thing. You know, for me, everybody that I grew up skateboarding with, I was the only guy that was straight edge. Everybody else was drinking and, and high, you know? And for most of Freya's existence, half the band has not been straight edge. They've been guys that are smoking weed or drinking the entire time on tour. You allow that? That's their choice. I'll tease, you know I'll, tease I mean? I'll tease, I'll tease. <laughs> that's their choice. And that's the thing, you know, and, and same thing for Apocalypse Tribe. You know, but I've got Earth Crisis where it's 200% straight edge and everybody will always continue to live this way. Mm. Myself included, of course. You know, so it's like, it's not like you have to think like me or live like me to be my friend. <laughs> but if you're going to run it down, then I'm going to want to fucking hit you over the head with a chair. I agree with I agree with that. Now, what would happen, though, in this crazy scenario, if one of the guys from Earth Crisis decided, listen, I'm going, you know, I do a little uh, therapeutic uh, THC now and then to help me sleep. Would Earth Crisis just never play again? Or would they say, OK, you know, you're not straight edge, but, you know, the 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 band is what it is where, you know, would you, allow uh, it or would, you, would it be over? Bulldog would kill them. <laughs> yes. I like that. That's good. Yeah. There, there's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he would strangle them and then that would be, that would be that. Good. Good. I like that. <laughs> I liked it. Listen, Carl, I appreciate you talking to me, man. And, uh, <laughs> we got, when we get some news, we'll, 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 we'll catch up again because, uh, People, uh, so many people were hitting me up. Get Carl on. Get Carl on. Get, I'm like, I'm trying. I'm running. This guy don't want nothing to do with me. I'm doing my best. Oh no, dude! I've That's been looking forward to this, man. I'm I've been teasing, looking forward to this. I, I know. I'm just teasing you. You know what I mean? I and mu- and much love, much love from all in in EXC to Wisdom and Chains. Thank you so much. Yeah, we love you guys. You know that utmost respect. But and uh, don't and don't forget, Vehement Serenade played with Wisdom and Chains up in Rochester. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yep, great show. Yeah, I remember that stuff. That was cool stuff. I mean, that was cool stuff. It's a shame, you know, with Paulie's situation, but all the stuff. I got I got to double down now on the Apocalypse Tribe lyrics. It's time, man. It's yeah. been some time with them. I'm yeah, proud of because I love that stuff. All right, my man. Yo, have a good night, and I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. I'll see you in Philly. Okay, that's true. I'll see you soon. All right, homie. Peace. Thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate it. Post America podcast will always be there for you. Don't forget that. Tune in next time for more fun with the boys. Until then, get your fucking ass out of here before I give you a smack, motherfucker. Who the fuck is this you in? This is Post America. You ain't shit, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs>